All right. Good morning. Good afternoon, wherever you are in the country. This morning, I am very excited that we have Akira Mejia, the director of The Better Solution in Burbank, California, as my guest on the Empowering Aging podcast. Akira, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So the way that I would love to get started is for you to share with the audience a bit about your background and how you got into non-medical home care. Okay, well, um, I started with actually working in healthcare, um, beginning with being a traditional um, traditional care coordinator. Um, so pretty much what I did was I assisted patients post-discharge. So they would be in the hospital. It was a special project um, that started it. They would be in the hospital for a certain numbers of days, and I would get informed that they were going to be discharging. And then post last day and then post-discharge, I would go and visit the client at home to try to assist them with a lot of their social needs. Mm -hmm. um, aside from that, I also worked in healthcare as an LVN. So that also gave me a different perspective um, in the healthcare continuum as well. But what got me specifically into home care is realizing that I felt that the gap for patients from post-discharge to going home was social needs, which I feel that caregiving and home care is actually like what's needed to close that gap. Um, because we provide, although non-medical services, a lot of services that patients post-discharge need. Um, because they don't always specifically need something medical, but a lot of times they need something social, whether it's food, medications, um, uh, just social interaction. Um, I believe that we companionship, things like that. And we don't realize that upon discharge until they're already home. And because I work, I'm sorry, did you want to say? No, I was just saying that I've always been very focused. There's the activities of daily living, but the, the yeah. psychosocial element of our clients' needs, right? Like the companionship aspect, the, the social and psycho engagement, right? That, yes. that really adds to that quality of life in addition to the activities of daily living. Absolutely. Mm hmm so could you share with us, so you said that, so you started out really working on the discharges and then following up the care coordination, and then you had your LVN experience. What was yeah. the LVN experience like? What did that encompass? So that actually included medical care. So that was assisting patients um, in SNFs mostly. Um, my LVN experience was in SNFs. So assisting them with the ones that are going to discharge, discharging, and just kind of learning that a lot, even when they discharge from the hospital to to the sniff it just gave me more perspective on their need um which again lands in the social um category because mm -hmm. they have the medical need um and, and that's covered being in a sniff but there's still a lot of social aspects to it transportation um mm -hmm. uh, following up to the doctor and get in making sure they get there and are coherent and um, abiding by what the doctor is giving them. So making sure that they are compliant in their care, like that's not necessarily medical, but it's needed in, you know, in their, in their situations of changing. Mm -hmm. How do you feel that your previous experience has really set you up for success 
in non-medical home care? Like how did the care coordination and then the LVN experience really elevate you to be successful with a better solution? Um, for me, the way that assisted is because I have a, a perspective and I have an insight gl glimpse at the other things that are going on. So for example, a client three days prior to discharge, the things that they're asking for, the things that they're saying they need, they need, which sometimes is just simply overlooked by, you know, social workers because they're so saturated with patients and getting these people out and um, the timing, like they have, for example, they'll have four hours to discharge five patients. How do mm. you successfully discharge these patients appropriately with all the things that they need when you have to get five out? So that's that's like less than an hour for each discharge and mm -hmm. to get the family their needs. So what ends up happening is they're missing a walker. They're missing a wheelchair. They're missing um, the call to the DME to get those things that they require to be at home, whether it's even oxygen, you know, um, mm -hmm. that's what I that's the insight that I get. So from my the, the, this is a good thing for me. Because what I get to do is now that I know this already, when they discharge, I can hit them with, did you get your walker? Did you get your oxygen? To make sure I'm closing that gap, which a lot of people don't have the insight to even know. Most people are calling with, with you know, their hair pulled out, going crazy. <laughs> I don't know what's needed. I don't know what my mom wants. So for me, I think it's a benefit that I have that experience to say, I bet you I can tell you what's missing. Is it, uh -huh. it did they pick up their prescriptions? Did they get their DME? And then the next question is, what's DME? Okay, do they need a walker? Do they need a cane? Did they get oxygen? Do they need a hospital bed? Because then we get people who's discharging and even need a hospital bed because they can't sleep in their bed anymore. So right, right. For me, what helped me is that I know all the missing links there to kind of throw out when I'm signing a client or dealing with patients on different levels. Uh, so can you explain to the audience how you take this insight and pretty much what you explained, but can you share how you, what's your philosophy on partnering with your referral partners, right? So the skilled nursing facilities, the hospitals, so on and so forth. And then how is it that you really partner with the families to serve their loved one? So, so let's start with your philosophy on partnering with the referral sources. So with the referrals, for, sorry, with the referral sources, what I normally do is I educate them. I educate them on my personal experience. So I'm not really selling what we can do. I educate them on what I know, what mm -hmm. I've seen in each field. So seeing what I saw as an LVN is different from what I saw as a transitional care coordinator, which is different from what I do now as a home care director. So I educate them. And I inform them of how all those three actually tie in together for a client who has recently discharged or even had a transition in their lifestyles. Mm -hmm. That's normally what gets the first eyebrow up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because you can see the whole situation and really exactly. piece it together. And so that leads me into how is it that you effectively partner with the family, right? So Yes. It, it's kind of like the same theory a little bit um, with the families. I just, again, educate them on my experiences, which one helps me build trust with this family because they feel like, oh, she might know what she's talking about. <laughs> and then my my next part to that is making sure that they have the um, 
they I ask them the questions that I mentioned earlier. So do, is there anything you're confused about? Anything you don't know? Anything you have questions about? A lot of families are like, I don't know where to start. So I actually kind of pick up and ask. So explain to me how this, the need for home care came about. You know, sometimes it's mom fell or dad just got out the di- the hospital. Um, so when it is those situations, I kind of just go from there. So let's just go off the scenario that mom fell, but she never went to the hospital. She just fell. And now family is realizing that she needs more care. So I go off of that and give them, educate them on my experiencing with clients falling. Um, also mm-hmm. encouraging them to go back to the doctor, which is my, my other way into medical uh, resources and referrals because I make sure they know that Akira sent them back to the doctor, which right. is part of the big re- reducing readmission, you know, protocol at this exactly. point. Exactly. But what I love about that, it's starting with appropriately advising yes. the family. Do not ignore these follow-up doctor's appointments or do not delay mm-hmm. in seeking, right, the, the medical guidance that might be needed to prevent a future crisis. Right. Exactly. And every doctor loves that. They love to hear that. They're like, who is Akira? And of course, I give them my card. Tell them to call me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So what is your what's your take on matching care professionals with a client? How do you feel about how that process should work? Okay, so that process is very diligent. The way that um, I feel it should work is you have to make sure you know your client. And again, we only get a few minutes with them before we're matching. So you kind of got to get right in and be direct about what you need to know and what their needs are. You have to be, and this is where all my experiences together kind of helps because naturally I'm an assessor. As soon as I walk in, I'm looking, okay, there's, there's throw runs here. These have to go there. they are risk for falls. There's um, the, the client has to reach too far or use a chair to get to things. Oh, that has to stop. We have to bring everything to eye level because we're again another risk for fall. And you know, as our population gets older, the risk for fall already increases naturally. So we don't want them doing other things that are causing them to fall or even because a fall right now well, with the geriatric population is very critical. Like mm-hmm. a fall can be the onset for so many different things. Mm-hmm. So normally, um, I'm assessing right at as soon as I walk in the door in a friendly manner, though. And then once I'm able to figure out the needs in my head, because I have been recruiting as well, what I do is I just automatically know this person has this experience because every caregiver has a different experience. Some have experience with just facilities doing, you know, which is different from another caregiver who has experience in home dealing with the patient that is transitioning or a client, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. that is transitioning um, in their lifestyles. So the the process of matching depends on knowing your employees as well as knowing your clients. Mm -hmm. You just have really be diligent about those. So as part of that, that diligence, right? Um, you're looking at the actual skill set of the care professional and what the client's needs are. What about personality characteristics, right? When you're, you're matching these, these two individuals together. Right. So then we will go with trying to figure out like, so me personally, I'm always the first example. So if I walk in and I'm being all bubbly, hi, I'm Akira. And they seem to be 
Like you can tell by on, by the look on their face if my bubbliness was too overwhelming, mm-hmm. or if they need um. And, and again, uh, my tone will change throughout the assessment just mm-hmm. to kind of get a feel for what the client needs are. So if I'm too bubbly, then I realize, oh, can't send this caregiver. Although she has the home care, I can't send her because she will probably overwhelm the client versus someone who is more, I don't want to say dry, but like- Introverted. So I always ask that question as part of the Connector Elders Assessment. You know, does your loved one, have they tended to have a more extroverted personality or a more introverted personality? Who, what, what is the type of personality you think would, they would be the most comfortable with? And even sometimes, right? Like if you do have an extroverted caregiver that has all the skill set, you know, if they're coachable and you can have a conversation with them about, okay, you know, I need you to be more mellow as you're interacting with the client. But that is a very, um, I, I've always found that to be a very important factor to make in that yes. customized matchmaking process. Yes. What are some of the other things that you guys look for when you're doing an assessment with a family? So we, we've, first of all, let's pause for a little bit and make sure that the audience understands ADLs. What is ADLs? So ADLs, activities of daily living. So mm-hmm. that will range anywhere from taking a shower in the morning to cooking dinner at night. Um Maybe they might need assistance with light housekeeping. They might even just need, it also includes companionship. So the social aspect of interaction, um, some families, you know, want that as a primary uh, thing because the, the, there's a good point. We just talked about introvert versus extrovert, but it just depends because if the client is normally an introvert, but they need someone with a more extrovert. I'm wait. Am I saying it backwards? If they're normally an extrovert and they need someone with that type of, they went into being an introvert, which is totally possible. Mm-hmm. Then with one who will be an extrovert to help them, you know, um, be more social. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. So engage them in activities, possibly yeah. activities that maybe they used to do on their own. And they would if there was a, a bit more encouragement, right? Somebody right. to do it with them. Um, so if you don't mind, address. So what if you bring on a client and you do your best to make sure it's a customized match, but then the client and or the family says, I don't think this is really the ideal fit. What happens in those situations? So we totally allow that. We totally allow clients to want to change their caregiver, it's it's an open policy, kind of open door with that. If they need to change their caregiver because the fit just didn't click appropriately, we allow that. No cost, no mm-hmm. any additional except for get, allow us the chance to change it. So what I notice it, well, during those moments, what I do is I pay attention to who I sit and I actually talk to the client. What skills about this person did you like? And then what skills didn't you like? Or what part of her character, you know, kind of pushed you to want a new person. And not because we're totally non-judgment, non-judgmental. So what the point of that is just so that I can not make that error again. You know, maybe I missed something or I assumed something that wasn't appropriate um, for that specific client. So I allow Mm -hmm. them the opportunity to correct me so that I can send the appropriate um, staff. Right. Would you agree? Um, So this is about, right, having the best fit for the client. 
But I've also always found that it also is beneficial for the caregiver, right? Because you've got two people that are going to be interacting, right? And so if it's not a good fit, it, it affects both. And so so trying to make the best match possible benefits both client and caregiver. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I- so, so let's talk about how a schedule works, right? So maybe somebody is discharging, you get the referral, and they're starting out with X number of hours. Is that set in stone or is that something that can be fluid? It's definitely able to be fluid. It's flexible. So it's kind of based off of their need. Normally in the first day or two of discharge, clients want more care, which actually allows me the opportunity to realize where the most care is needed. And what Mm -hmm. I mean by, for example, they'll say, my mom just got out the hospital. She had a fractured hip. Okay. Understood. How often do you want care? They'll say, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, And it just kind of depends on the, uh, um, my 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 client at that point, because as we know, finances do become an issue. So mm-hmm. say, for example, they're like, I don't know. I always recommend. All right. At least give us one 24 hour shift. Why? Because we would like to determine as many patterns as we can in that 24 hours. So, for example, if we notice that mom is on narcotics that makes her sleepy at this point, And this is the drug that she has to take for the next six weeks let's just say six we know what time they're giving what time are these meds given and we and i personally evaluate okay so she gets them at we're going to use 10 o'clock she's sleepy from 10 to 4 or that's probably a while but like let's just say <laughs> 10 to 2. she's sleepy from 10 to 2 if she's going to be asleep and we have everything set up as far as bedside commode and she doesn't need assistance Let's cut those four hours out since finances is an issue. Let's cut those four hours out and let's start the shift at two o'clock. If we know- I, so I worked for a company one time where we would um, recommend that same thing upon discharge, having that full 24 hours to really get that solid insight yeah. into where the care is most needed. Um, and I like to hear you say that you are being cognizant of the finances because sometimes that is a fear for the consumers, right? The families or even referral sources that, you know, the, the caregiving agency might recommend, you know, hours that are not necessarily needed right in that moment of time. And so we want to make sure that we're cognizant of the financial picture so we can operate within that budget and be able to sustain, right? Because what if they don't need 24 seven, that's what's recommended. And then we possibly put them in a compromising position that they might outlive their funds. That's right. not helping anybody. At all. So I love the fact it sounds like you are always reassessing, staying in touch, understanding yep. what's going on with the client versus, okay, let's bring them on service. And then it just goes on autopilot. Right, right. Okay. What, um, so Burbank, California, right? But what exactly is the territory? Where can you serve referral partners that might be listening right now that might want to connect with you? Um, and where can you serve families? So right now we're serving in San Fernando Valley. We're serving Los Angeles County and Orange County. Um, San Fernando being Burbank. Um, I'm sorry, Burbank, like Agora Hills, 
uh, Calabasas. I know those are all kind of far, but Glendale, the, the inner ones are Burbank, Glendale. Um, and then we kind of jump over a few cities. So Sherman mm -hmm. Oaks, um, what else is in that area? Van Nuys, we service those areas. And then you get to San Fernando Valley, which is like um, Encino and other cities like that. But that's a different territory. However, ABS is nationwide. So we will service everyone. So if I can't do it, we definitely have a partner office who I can get that referral over to and still follow up with the family. So um, mm -hmm. we, we work as a team here. That's what I will say. I love that. So... Can you explain um, a better solution? Because you guys are unique because you do home care, but you also have the ability to place. So you're yeah. doing home care services and placement services. And, and the registry. So, yeah. yeah, let's make sure that we make that clear for our audience, because if there are any buildings, right, assisted right. living communities, skilled nursing facilities that are that are in need of supplemental staffing. Did I say and that correctly? Yes. Mm -hmm. So you guys can fulfill that need. Uh, yep. You can fulfill the need of um, somebody's loved one, mm -hmm. whether they're in a residential home or wherever they call home. Correct. Right. But then maybe if placement, right. So placement into a senior community is the appropriate mm -hmm. option, depending on it could be a whole host of factors. Right. But you can handle those needs as well. Absolutely. Um, we do assist with the placement. So if you have a loved one who is discharging and need to maybe go to a SNP, a skilled nursing facility or uh, assisted living or um, memory care, also independent livings, we have access to all those places and we can send referrals out. That's fantastic. So Akira, who are the types of people you want to know? Uh, referral partners, right, in your territory where you would like to establish partnerships with? Um, I would like to establish partnerships with hospitals because that's where a lot of the gaps are. A lot of mm. the gaps are from the, or discharges from the hospitals because they're so overwhelmed. They have mm -hmm. so many clients, like one nurse may have 20 clients and they get there's a lot of things that's missing. And the same for the social work department and the discharge planners. So we do work with Kaiser already, um, Kaiser being one of our top referral sources right now. So what they do is they give us a call. If they have a patient that they think can afford their services, they'll give us a call. We'll go down, do an assessment there in the hospital. If the patient cannot afford their services, Kaiser actually offers a program where they'll pay for up to two weeks of care um, to see ex or they'll give them a specific number like 72 hours. Um, which can break down to like five hours a day for two weeks, three weeks, et cetera, um, to kind of make sure that they're, this is all in um, with attempt to prevent readmission. So it kind right. of all circles back. So Kaiser has found it more beneficial for them to use our services um, to prevent readmission than to pay for this, we call them frequent flyers, to mm -hmm. come back again, because that one bed is going to cost about six to seven thousand dollars per day. Right. So the other healthcare systems in your territory, perhaps, right? If anybody's listening or they watch this recording, you know, you guys could work together in that same fashion. Absolutely. I what I also like about the fact that Kaiser's doing that, right? That program is that yes, it is benefiting them to do the discharge 
and to prevent readmissions, but it is allowing the family or whoever is in this elder's life some runway time to figure out, okay, what do we do next? Right. right. What is it that we have to do to make sure our loved one is safe, you know, highest possible quality of life until we figure out what, what the solid plan is going to be? Absolutely. So how can people reach out to you, Akira? What, what's a good number to call? Should they email you, go to the website? What is the best way to connect with you if they want to learn more about you and a better solution or if they uh, want to schedule a meeting or if they have a referral for you? Personally, the best way is by phone or text because the phone number and you can text the phone number. And my contact number is 818-826-2199. So that number is the direct line where you can get me or the person in the office with me assisting. Her name is Ruby right now. (laughs) And we will be able to assist with whatever need. If you have Ruby on the line, she knows how to contact me directly so that we can go ahead and um, get you some help. Also, hopefully at the end of this, I will um, leave my email as well. Or should I just go ahead and? So when I have, when I go ahead and post it, you can say it right now, but I'm, I'll make sure when I post the recording that I'll include your email address. What is it? And my email is Akira, A-K-I-R-A, at A-B-S-I-H-C dot com, which is the abbreviation for A Better Solution in Home Care just so you guys can <laughs> know. But yeah, um, you can send an email. I respond to emails, phone calls, text messages. That's fantastic. I really appreciate you being a, a guest today on the Empowering okay. Aging Podcast. And I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor for all of the Empowering Aging Podcasts today and throughout the end of 2022, a Retirement Genius. A retirement Genius is a solution that will educate Uh, referral partners and families on alternative funding solutions to be able to pay for care, whether that be uh, placement into a community um, or in-home care. So again, very, very grateful to Retirement Solutions for being the sponsor for the Empowering Aging podcast. Akira, thank you so much again for being my guest today. I appreciate it.